You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello again. Welcome into the Alana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher here. And I think I have to start this off with a little bit of an apology just because it's been so long uh, since we've last done an Alana Enquirer podcast. And I know based on the feedback, you guys really enjoy this uh, for the most part. And uh, it's been a while and uh, apologies for that. But there's a few reasons for why there hasn't been as much uh, podcasting here going on. Number one, there's just not as much sports going on. And while there's been some football commits, there's been some, you know, little things happening in basketball. There hasn't been a ton of big news that uh, we'd want to talk about here or have an emergency podcast for or whatever. Number two is I have a radio show two hours every day, and it has been uh, a focus every day just to create content for that. And uh, plus with creating all the content we do for the website throughout all of this, I've been focused mostly on those two things to take care of. And then the podcast has been a little bit of an extra for me. Um, as for the latest events happening in the world with all these protests and and so much going on in the sports world revolved around that, while I talked about it on my radio show, uh, I didn't want to just come on and give my take. Uh, I want to add something of value. So I am working on a few possible podcast guests that can add a little bit more value than just my take. And there's a few things we've reached out about that I'm, I'm excited about um, that I think could be really good. So hopefully we'll have that for you soon. Uh, as for the podcast moving forward, we will have more because there's more going on football starting today. And that is our focus with Illinois football uh, coming back to campus. We'll chat about that here coming up with Isaac Trotter because I felt it was a positive that we're starting to see, hey, hope is here that football is reporting back to campus and that, hey, maybe about three months from today, we're recording this on Monday, June 8th, that we could actually have an Illinois football game to talk about, that Illinois State versus Illinois could actually happen because they're back on campus, they're getting workouts, and that's the next step uh, to this happening. So today I chat with Isaac Trotter just about um, one of the more positive guys I can just about what Illinois football will do, what this offseason's been like for them, how they can handle it, and just some of the big storylines uh, moving into that. So we'll chat about that with Isaac Trotter. I do want to say another thing I've been focused on here recently is adding a few talents to our Illini Inquirer roster. And uh, one of the things I've been very happy about in the recent years has been giving some opportunities to some U of I students, uh, journalism students who want to make it in this industry, which is very tough to get into and very tough uh, to hang on to. It takes a lot of fortitude, takes making not so much money early on, especially in your career. But uh, I've been happy that, you know, a guy like Isaac Trotter, who's joining us, has moved on to a full-time job after graduating. Gavin Good has, has grown so much uh, in, in the time that he's written for us, and I'm excited about that. Gabby Hajduk, uh, who wrote for us a little bit, is now the sports editor at the Daily Line, and she's doing a very good job there. And I hope that we were a part of her development and, and development of her being able to get ready for that job, even though she deserves way more credit for that. But I, I really like that. I, I had mentors growing up, Brett Dawson being one of them, Jim Rosso, Paul Klee, and uh, getting the opportunities that, say, Jim Rosso gave me 
were so important. So I've always felt it very important to give uh, some opportunities to see younger, talented journalists. And I'm very excited uh, that I had Zoom calls this morning to talk about our plans moving forward. And then we're adding two summer interns. And I got to thank Gene McDonald from the Illinois Media College of Media. Uh, for setting this up, that, that this could be possible, and uh, getting us two interns for the summer. And uh, I chose from a very talented list, uh, but two that really stuck out to me were Mariah Guzman and Taylor Castro, and both of them will be joining us uh, this summer. And some people ask, well, what do they be covering since there's not much going on? There's always interesting stories to tell. And uh, these two are very excited about telling those stories. Both have a broadcast background but want to write more, so I'm excited to have them write more. Both also have shown an interest in podcasting, so I may just turn it over to those two and, and do a podcast if they want to do a few together. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. And uh, both have a video background that they could add that eventually as well. So this will at least be for the summer, maybe long term. Uh, they can do a little bit more for us as well. I'm, I'm very open to that. But just really excited to get Mariah and Taylor on board. Uh, they're going to do big things in this industry and, and glad that we can give them another opportunity to do so. So looking forward to their content and uh, just looking to grow our content and perspective here at Illini Inquirer. Uh, a few quick things. Basketball, Justin Smith, one of the transfer targets for Illinois basketball, decides he's going to commit to Arkansas. He announced that this morning. And not a big surprise to me that he hasn't picked Illinois or didn't pick Illinois because Justin Smith is transferring from Indiana because he's looking for a new role. And at Illinois, I'm not sure how much different that role would be than Indiana. At Illinois, they need a stretch four, a four athletic who can play defense and, and rebound. Justin Smith wants to show to the NBA that he can shoot. And while Illinois can give him some maybe more opportunities with that, because Justin Smith has not been a great shooter at 25% from three during his career, um, he would have been a good fit for Illinois in what they want, but what he wants is to show the NBA that he can shoot, that he can be a top-scoring option on a team like Arkansas. So it makes more sense. I thought Iowa State would have made sense for him as well, just because it's a younger team, a team with more questions. Illinois with Kofi Coburn likely returning, Trent Frazier, um, obviously Adam Miller and Andre Curbelo coming in here. Uh, obviously the, the touches probably wouldn't be there to where he can kind of grow with the team. Illinois kind of has what it has, and they just need that kind of last piece at that four. So it obviously leaves some questions at the four for Illinois, whether that'll be DeMonte Williams as an undersized guy. We know what he can bring. He can obviously defend that position. Uh, he, he shot the ball pretty well towards the end of last year as well, which kind of went underrated. But also, you know, Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk is a bit of an X factor. Jacob Grandison, I think, he's a long guy. I think he can play that that four position and shoot a little bit uh, and play that role in some minutes. So, obviously, Illinois has not found that ideal fit at the stretch four. They were looking at some guys at the lower levels. Didn't go all out for them. They looked at, uh, obviously, some other people like Justin Smith that could possibly play that role, but maybe the fit for the player wasn't as good. So it'd be interesting to see if, if they find anybody else at that position. But I think the roster, basically what it is right now, um, is, is what we should expect, though I'm, I'm very sure they will be looking to upgrade their roster if they can, just like they were with Justin Smith. But the big news today is that Illinois football players, yes, they're reporting. They are starting the process of getting back to voluntary workouts. And 40 Illini players have arrived on campus today, Monday, June 8th, and they will start their process of going through medical examinations. 
the for COVID testing. Then they will go through uh, quarantine where they're sitting by themselves basically in a, in a dorm room at Illinois uh, for a few days. Then they will get more testing and then they will be cleared for workouts after that to where they could work out with a small group, including some roommates, uh, probably groups of eight or so uh, with Lou Hernandez and his strength staff. They will go through that, but it will be, as Randy Ballard told me a couple weeks ago, it'll be low intensity early because it's not just a health issue of, hey, do they have this virus that could be dangerous if they spread it? It's do you want to make sure you mitigate injuries here because they have some of these kids haven't been working out as much. Some of them have had access to working out if they're in other States or they've really had intense workouts, but it'll be about 50% intensity early. Randy said, then they'll slowly ramp that up uh, as we go along here, but it is the first step to college football returning. And that's a positive. And to focus on the positive of that, I figure who better to bring in than Isaac Trotter. Now at the Rochester post bulletin and Illini inquire alum, I told Isaac, hey, let's talk for 15 minutes, 20 minutes about football. I should have known better. We went for about 45 minutes talking a line eye, talking some nonsense about ourselves, but uh, had a great chat with Isaac Trotter. That's coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, well, we got a little good news in the sports world, and I figured... Hey, when there's good news, time to be positive. Think about Illinois football and just football returning. Who better to bring on than the one, the only, Isaac Trotter. Hey, Isaac, what's up, buddy? How are you? It's good to see you again. Yeah. Um, So how are things in Minnesota right now? I mean, I think we're getting closer-ish to normal. The numbers today, the COVID numbers are really down, which is really good. A lot fewer positive tests. And then also the, the protests haven't been violent last few days too. So I think we're on the tail end of everything. So, so far so good. I'm ready to get sports back though. It feels like baseball's dragging their feet a little bit, but like I've never been so excited to watch golf next weekend. Like yeah. it just, I just need something. Yeah. Uh, but here we go. Illinois players reporting today, 40 of them uh, reporting. They'll go through their tests. Uh, then they have a quarantine, which I know they're not excited about to sit in their dorm rooms or, you know, not even their dorm rooms, but just dorm rooms by themselves for the next couple of days. Then they get more tests and then they start these really, you know, um, watched monitored workouts where they're not going high intensity. Uh, you've seen some of these uh, protocols that are put in place, Isaac, they're well thought out. You know, I talked with Randy Ballard from UI sports medicine. He gave me a lot of insight on how these kind of came about, why they're going so slow with the intensity and all that. Uh, but just what do you think about this process of, of returning and trying to get back to normal? I'll be honest, like the first time I'm kind of reading through all of these different tests, I'm impressed with the level of detail that they went through to get this. No stone has been unturned. They've worked with a lot of people. So I think they're coming into this with the right idea. 
I still don't know how they'll handle a positive test or what that could look like. I think it's really, really smart for Illinois not to go into those numbers or not to release those numbers because I think you could create a lot of people like freaking out about a positive test when that kid might have had it for a really long time already and now he's just getting tested. So I think we're going to see some positive tests come out. We've already seen them in other places. We might not know about them, but they're going to happen. It's just I feel like they have a plan here that's all played out. I don't know how excited all the players are for this, but I think they're happy that they get something. Yeah, I mean, we've seen positive tests at, at several schools, Alabama, Auburn, Oklahoma State, uh, Texas A&M. Um, obviously, we don't need to know the names of the players that did, but that, I don't think that's a big surprise. And most of them seem asymptomatic. And obviously, it's a, a lower risk group, very fit individuals. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously a concern. You don't want that spreading throughout an entire you know, room, but they seem to have those uh, protocols put in place for this. Uh, we did see at least pictures of Jake Hansen coming in, and he was one of those that expressed concern, not so much about safety, Isaac, but of, hey, am I going to be able to work out like well here? But it seems like he's coming in, you know, some other athletes that uh, might have some issues. But, you know, Mike Epstein was one of those that was getting a lot of work in at home at Florida. I know Matt Torbebe was as well. So we don't know exactly who has come back yet. But I thought those were – realistic i mean we focused on hey are they worried about their health um but they were more concerned about hey can i get my workouts in they need to is it better just to wait a month when restrictions might be a little less and i might be able to come in with like 75 percent intensity instead of 50 percent intensity i totally get that i think a name too that we haven't talked about is shaman cooper whose mom was posting on Twitter how she had the coronavirus. So that's that, you know, what's he, what's his situation been like? We've seen some videos of guys down in St. Louis, Isaiah Williams and, and the crew down there are playing out on fields and practicing, but like now you come up here, is that going to be even less? So it's just interesting for both a football and a basketball perspective, how they structure these workouts. I know for basketball, what they're kind of thinking is that you're only going to be able to allowed to allowed to work out with the people you live with. That's interesting to me. I don't know if you can do that for football just because there's so many guys and how many how just how does that work? But I think I think it's fair. Matter Bebe was doing a lot down there. Epstein's been doing a lot down there. But there's also some guys who've kind of been stuck in some places. I think about Vidarian Lowe. He's probably been home with the baby, his, his one-year-old, who's a tank now. You know what I mean? Like, he's probably really needing to get back into the gym or wanting to get back in the gym. There's only so many times Alex Palczewski can pull a truck, you know. And so that's one of those things where a lot of the times this is going to benefit the players more than it's going to hurt them. Yeah, and I talked with Reggie Love, um, you know, and, and he said he's barely had a chance to lift weights, and one of them was in the Shimon Cooper's house, right? And you mentioned the Coopers, and there will be a story coming at Illini Inquirer about that, Isaac, um, that uh, I've been talking with them about Ruth and, and her you know, struggle with uh, COVID-19 and, and the family struggle with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's someone who obviously know what's going on there, but, you know, those freshmen haven't had many workouts yet and they're, they'll be arriving a little bit later. Um, but yeah, they got to get in shape, man. And a lot of these guys haven't had as much access as, as maybe some of the more fortunate players, but uh, for Illinois, this is the step towards, towards playing football and Isaac, maybe about a month or two ago, I was sitting there going, I don't know if we're going to have a season to cover, um, now I just wonder, okay, are all the games going to be played because who can afford it? Like, is there going to be a stoppage in play? But boy, I would imagine all those non-conference schools really want to play in Illinois just because they want that money. Uh, and then two, all the big 10 schools, I think we'll, we'll get to find a way to do this, but it's more how many fans will be in attendance and 
uh, whether it's, I don't think it'll be zero. <laughs> I think there'll actually be fans. There's just a lot of momentum uh, that yeah. football actually be played, which is exciting uh, given where we thought we were two months ago. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to also know what's going on in the future. But, you know, I think there was a report today that the symptomatic people, you might not be able to spread it if you're symptomatic or think it's very low if you're symptomatic that you'd spread it to someone else. That's pretty good news, too. And if, if that comes out and and they lock it down as this is, you know, pure fact that that would be really huge for all the future of, of everything. But yeah, I'm, I'm more optimistic than I've ever been that there was, there's going to be college football because you're right, two or three weeks ago, it's crazy. And now I wonder, okay, in two, three weeks, how much more will we know as people start to ramp these things up, as the tests continue to come in, as these guys get back on campus, are things going to be able to go according to plan? I do think I'm still a little bit worried about how you keep these kids quarantined all the time, right? How do you keep their bubble small? And I think that especially if the students start coming back on campus from all over the place, that that's where it could kind of get a little concerning. Well, that's the good news is you don't have that. I know you have some student athletes that are still on campus. I mean, some students can be in their apartments, wherever, especially off campus, but campus is basically shut down. Uh, you're doing all your classes online. Uh, but yeah, that will be a concern. And, and you've heard from Josh Whitman, hey, we need our student athletes to take this seriously. If they, if they want this to come back, they got to they gotta follow these protocols. But that's not fun, man. You're, you're a student, and I know it's summer, but summer on campus can be a lot of fun because <laughs> it's empty, but it's still got the fun of campus there. And it's kind of an athlete's village a little bit because, you know, most of the athletes there are still on campus. Now it's maybe you and a couple roommates, um, and you're, you're basically just working out, not working out as hard as you probably want to. Uh, but the end of the tunnel is football. So that will be interesting to see, you know, who tests now, what, what, how many tests there actually are, we probably won't know, according to Illinois. Uh, and then, two, just if, if more people, you know, test positive in the future, how that'll be handled. But um, it is a step in the right direction. If you want to incentivize anything, playing is a really good in- incentive. So I think that if, if – I think, I think most of the Illinois guys that we know, they're smart dudes. They get it. They understand the process. And they understand, like, what, what's the end goal here and what they're trying to do. I, I'm interested in the testing and how quickly they can do it. Can they get it where they can just do a finger prick testing or do they have to shove the thing down your nose? Personally, that would, like, irritate me to no end if I had to do that. But Has like, Maddie given one of those yet? Like giving one of those seems like it would hurt. No, she hasn't had to do those yet. She got taught how to do it, but she hasn't had to do it yet. Yeah. A lot of them are a swab, but the swab isn't as quick from what I've heard. But I mean, that's the key to all of this, right? It's been more testing and, and quicker turnarounds with testing. The fact that they have that, which is a good sign that we can actually put some resources in that into something like football rather than uh, just, hey, people need testing. It seems like there's a little bit more ability to get those. So uh, that's a positive sign, not just for football, but for all of us. Is it also, do you also feel a little bit like Illinois is at an advantage here in the, compared to some of the rest of the Big Ten because of their, they have so much returners. Like they have so many returners. They don't have any new, same offensive coordinator, same defensive coordinator. They have the same offense. You know exactly what you're doing. Almost all the guys pretty much know your role. All these incomers, only a few of them are expected to play right away. And I don't think it's going to be that hard to get Blake Gersotti up to mix on how he should play right guard. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I feel like Illinois is at a, a better place than, a, say, a school like Iowa, who's going through all this turmoil now. Oh, and you have to get a new offense or new quarterback, and you have to fix your offensive line, and you have to find new defensive ends. Like, I feel like Illinois is in a much better spot compared to some other places. 
Isaac Trotter, you're, you're a pro because I have on my list of things here, Illinois equipped to handle this better than others. And I yeah. think you're right because um, actually Barton Simmons from 24 seven sports just did a piece on this. And while Illinois wasn't in the top group because they don't have the culture of winning, it's an old roster. I mean, they're the second most experienced roster in the big 10 with guys coming back from their production last year. Um, you're right. The head coach, same defense. Like even though you've changed defensive coordinators, I use air quotes, it's the same defense. These guys have been practicing for four or five years. The offense is going into its third year. They have a quarterback coming back. Most of the offensive line, uh, a lot of the wide receivers, most of the back seven, um, all the special teams. Like, so yeah, I think they should be equipped because everybody is at a disadvantage right now. So the teams who are more experienced, more uh, mature, you feel like would have a better chance. The, the people that need to rely on freshmen, like if this happened two or three years ago, Illinois is in a world of trouble. Uh, but now it feels like, you know, it's at least not as big of a disadvantage to Illinois as it would be for a team, like you said, Iowa, that is replacing a lot of talent. Or even think about like Northwestern, who has a lot of guys coming back, but their quarterback, Peyton Ramsey, is like very new, like brand new, welcome in, like, hey, you're just trying to meet all these guys. You probably haven't even he had he could have a situation where if he gets on campus in June, Ramsey might not meet everybody on the team till August, September. He's been here for three months, but he's only able to work out with some of the specific guys. He might not know some of the wide receivers he's working out with. Now Maybe that's a little bit too much because I think that they're going to find ways to hang out and find ways to get onto a backfield and play a little bit. But you're, you're right. Illinois has a clear advantage. Can they take advantage of it? Let's see. You make a good point because Illinois didn't get – they got off to a slow start anyway, right? right. right? But at least Brandon Peters was there in June, July, right? And uh, got to throw around with his teammates. That's not the case for uh, Peyton Ramsey. Um, so even last year – I don't know how much more it would have hurt them because they didn't start well anyway. Uh, but it obviously is not a good for the start of the season. I, I think Illinois should come out of the gates a little bit better than those other teams, which the schedule allows them to do that anyway. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, even I think defensively, I think what, what, what do we talk about? What's the hardest position to coach defensively? It's defensive backs with how you move, with how, how you have to rotate around with the, the footwork. That's everything. The technique is so much and so in detail. Well, you have Nate, Nate Hobbs, who's ready to roll. You have Tony Adams, who's ready to roll. If Marquez Beeson isn't quite ready to roll right away because he hasn't played organized football in a couple of years, that's okay because you have these two veterans. You have your safety pretty much figured out in Sidney Brown. And then your last spot is a Derek Smith who's been here for a year. Delano Ware's been here for a couple of years. And then the Treshawn Smith kid from Louisville who looks really, really good. I mean, you can figure that out. It's one spot. Like, that's, that's huge, I think. Like, defensively, defensive line, you can pretty much figure out what you're going to do. Linebackers, you most have most of your guys back, including your middle linebacker when Jay Canson moves over. But the defensive back is the big one, and Illinois is pretty well-equipped. Uh, did you hear about Lauren Tate trying to get into Jay Canson, confirming he was a middle linebacker? I, I did. It was, it was fantastic. And then Miles Smith just did it with Bob Osmussen. And Lovey Smith has said he's going to play middle linebackers. I don't know why Lauren was so hung up on it, but I loved it. I, and Jake playing off it, it was fantastic. I just her. like how Jake just doesn't want to tell anyone that, even though everyone else knows. Like, he just doesn't want to admit it because he thinks some sort of competitive advantage. Like, Illinois State, really, trust me, Illinois State doesn't care if you're playing middle linebacker or inside linebacker. It doesn't change much for them. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the one thing is – 
defensive line wise, uh, Christian Bell decommits Isaac. And uh, while I didn't expect the world of Christian Bell, I thought he's reminded me, I should have thought of this comp earlier, of Jamel President, um, who, who transferred in from Auburn, was kind of a rotational player for, for that team that had Jihad Ward and Dewan Smoot. But he was pretty solid player uh, and obviously moved on and has had a practice squad role in the NFL. Um, Christian Bell was a rotation player at Wisconsin. I thought he could have been a solid starter and just given them an answer in that defensive end rotation. Now it's like, man, there are still as many questions on the defensive line as you had before the season because, well, Chindu Adagu, I think, is a good-looking athlete. He's a, a big dude. He's got some experience. Cal moved him to tight end, right? So it's like that's not a glaring, um, you know, sign that he's going to be great for you. So I think he's just kind of a, a depth piece there. That still remains the biggest question for a team that I think actually has a lot of answers elsewhere. Uh, but uh, that defensive line would still be my biggest concern going into this training camp. 100% agreed with you. I mean, I think if you're looking at a transfer that makes a bigger impact than what we talk about is probably Anthony Shipton because I feel like he's going to have to. He's going to have to play some sort of role transferring to Illinois from Majuco. But, I mean, that news from Christian Bell basically raised all the ante on guys like Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney. Like, at some point, you have to be good, right? You have had little spurts where you've been okay. Now's your time. Like, you just got to prove it. And this is your opportunity. Also, Calvin Avery, this is all on you now, big fella. Like, you got to be ready to roll. And I worry about him a lot about this because he's been home for a long time. Who knows what type of access he's had to the gyms. The, the nutrition is a big deal for him as well. And he's not been around here where Illinois can hold him accountable. I'm nervous about that. That's, that's a guy that he better have taken care of his work while he was gone at home. Or he could be behind the eight ball in a hurry here. And, you know, Christian Bell decommits. I don't know what to – I don't really have a huge takeaway from that. I thought it was odd timing. I thought it was odd wording with how he said it. Maybe he ends up back at Wisconsin. Who knows? But it just feels like now Owen Carney has to be good. And if not, Keith Randolph, your turn. Yeah. Let's, see, let's see what you got. He probably wasn't going to participate in spring ball because he had a, an upper body injury. You know, don't know exactly what it was, but he, he had some kind of surgery in the offseason. So, you know, he would have missed that. He missed it anyway. But uh, he's coming off injury. And, yeah, I, you, you know me. I love what they have future-wise on the defensive line. I think Keith Randolph's going to be really good. I think Seth Coleman has natural pass rush skills that Isaiah Gay kind of showed early and, and hasn't put all together. But I think Isaiah Gay will be pretty good this year. And I think Cooper Davis, Johnny Newton will be good down the line, but they're just so young, right? And, and that's where you miss Batiku. Obviously, the round tree tragedy um, hurts you at this position. But it's going to be, you know, last year at this time, I think it was about a year ago today, Joshua Matorbebe committed to Illinois. So you're hoping that guy becomes available in, in the portal. And I, I went over some options, but, you know, the portal will be interesting to see how continuously players add to this, how much – you know, the uncertainty of the season ahead uh, plays into it. But I, I still have a feeling, Isaac, they're going to add somebody because I just think they need to if they want to raise the floor. Otherwise, you are relying on some young guys. And we've seen how that's gone in the, in the, in the, in the not-so-recent future. In the recent future, uh, it wasn't well. Yeah, I, I, we saw way too much of it, way too much of it. But I think another underrated miss was Jovan Swan, who picks Indiana. Yep. That, that could have been a big piece, maybe not necessarily for, you know, not because he plays defensive end, but it could have given you an opportunity to possibly move Jamal Woods back outside the defensive end, who's played there relatively, uh, you know, not a lot, but a decent amount throughout his career. And then even Ayo Shagbanyo deciding just to randomly, like, retire 
for we don't know why to take a job to who knows what. Like, I, I don't think Io Shrugmanu was awesome last year, but he still was productive and he tried really hard. And that's kind of what you need sometimes. And that's depth. You hope Mark Modis here is the new Shigbanyo, you know, former linebacker, changes the edge rusher. Um, you hope, but that, that, that's the biggest question mark. Uh, okay, we did a couple roundtables, Isaac. And now yes. that you, I, you don't, I bother you for podcasts. I don't bother you to write anything for me. Um, wh- how would you weigh in on these? The leading rusher for Illinois this year. Yeah, I'm with Epstein on this one. I think if he can stay healthy, but it's so hard to prove that. And if it's not Epstein, it's going to be Chase Brown. I love, I love Rayvon Bonner as a person. But if anybody says Rayvon Bonner is going to lead Illinois in rushing, just like get out. Like it's just not going to happen. Three and a half yards of carry is what he is. It'd be one of those years where it's like a 400-yard rusher. Like, and there's like three other guys that give you like 300, right? Do you know what? Brandon Peters might be closer <laughs> to this. Like, he's but just a little you. bit. Plus uh, 2,000, something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like, I'll have those odds because, I mean, who knows? And, and because, like, I think you could see – I think you could see uh, – I don't think Nick Vidanzo is ready, but I, I wonder if one of the – if one of Jakari Norwood or Kenyon Sims is good enough to get into that rotation. If not, though, it's going to be Chase Brown. It's going to be Mike Epstein. And then I think Rayvon Bonner is, like, your goal line, dude. I, w- I mean, I'm hopeful for Epstein. I think he's really good. I mean, you and, you and me were talking before the, the – training camp last year during training camp he's the best running back they have and we both like Dre Brown we saw what Reggie Corbin did the year before but he's just a three down running back um but Chase Brown I really like everyone knows that I would have Epstein number one assuming he stays healthy which is a big assumption two Chase Brown three I'd probably go Norwood right just because he's got speed he's got a little versatility um Kenyon Sims would probably be fourth on that for me, even though Bonner, you know, Bonner's probably going to get more carries right away. But if there's injuries, yeah. I think Sims is kind of more that all purpose guy than Bonner would be. We did talk ourselves into Bonner a little bit one time, like when he had like the Ohio State offer and then had a couple big games. But for the most part, we kind of know what he is. The thing with Epstein, I keep going back to is every time we've seen him play, he's been good. Every single time. Like, I can't think of a bad Epstein moment in my head. Like, he just doesn't have it. He doesn't fumble. injuries, no. <laughs> right. He doesn't fumble. He doesn't drop passes. He's a great blocker. He can do any – he's a one-cut guy. Maybe he isn't as elusive as Reggie Corbin or not as flashy, but he makes the right cuts and he has great vision. So, it's like I haven't seen a bad moment out of Epstein. Maybe I'd like to see one where he has to play 12 games and we see one or two bad ones. You know what I mean? He's good at everything. Like, he's, I don't think he's got a one elite trait but he's good at everything. And uh, I think that's so valuable that you just don't yeah. have to take him off the field. And I think you could argue that this isn't a shot at the other guys, but I don't think anybody outworks Mike Epstein. Like I genuinely don't like his diet is supreme. He he's learned how to cook and he literally like makes every single meal as good as it possibly can. That's the worst part of being in shape, isn't it? It's, it's the whole oh, yeah. diet part, which they say is like 80% of it. That's what I struggle with. It's like, man, yeah. there's like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty healthy with stuff, but, my wife brings home chicken wings last night. I'm eating chicken wings, man. Like I, totally. I guess I'm not playing for a, an NFL contract eventually, but that's the worst part of it. I can go run my two miles as long as I have ice cream at the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that's, that's what it is. I, my, my way of justifying it is I work out so that I can eat yes. better. Yes. Right? Is that fine? Well, and live a little bit longer, hopefully. <laughs> Look a little bit better, but yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. look sloppy at my wedding in a couple months. <laughs> uh, all right. The other one was, who is the number two receiving threat for Illinois? Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's Ricky Smalling. I think that's the right answer. I want to say Trayvon Sidney. I think Trayvon Sidney is more talented than Ricky. I just don't know if they used him down the field as much. It felt like he was always running those seven-yard outs or like he's never used vertically down the field. We saw it a couple times in the season opener. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's the season opener. Who cares? Like if they used him more vertically, I feel like he'd be more of a matchup nightmare. They were more content to just get him on those rollouts, six, seven yards, and boom. Then you get tackled like the one up in Minnesota where he literally breaks his legs, it looks like. I always thought he was going to be Brandon's security blanket. And I, I think missing training camp, um, you know, Trayvon had a great first week. And we're like, oh, this guy could be with Brandon, the, the two top impact transfers. And then he had that hamstring injury and he missed all of training camp and barely got back for the first game. I'm wondering if that played a big role because that slot receivers, you just got to have so much trust and maybe it wasn't as fast. Maybe he wasn't getting in and out of his breaks. So it just felt like Brandon wasn't looking at him or there just wasn't that report. While with Ricky, I think people forget first five, six games, like Brandon was all about Ricky. Like we kept saying, yeah, he needs to look at the match or baby just a little bit more. Uh, but he targeted Ricky a lot. So the big question with those two guys is health, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge health for those guys. I copped out and said the tight end. Yeah, you did, which is fair. I get that. Also, I was shocked no one said Donnie Navarro because he's kind of good. Like, he's, he's genuinely really good. The security blanket we thought that Sydney would be, and yeah. he did make a couple of big plays. So I just think him and Sydney probably, you know, split reps. Uh, but I, I think that way – I think Barker kind of gets overlooked, man. He was such a big play threat. Like, he was inconsistent, and, and I know he doesn't block as well as they want. But I basically think of him as a tight end slash wide receiver. I think with Luke playing traditional tight end, I think you're going to see some two tight end sets, which helps the run game. I can see those guys combining for 45, 50 receptions or more and, and possibly getting 600-plus yards and eight touchdowns and basically kind of putting together an Amat Torbebe season together because Barker's a really good threat. We know Luke is very talented. We'll see how it translates to the field this year. But um, Brandon's just going to have a lot more weapons. That's what makes this conversation way more fun uh, than, than it was midseason last year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you could even make a case that and matter baby might not be the clear question unquestioned, like huge number one guy here i think it i just think it could be a conglomerate of things here i think baby's probably their most talented guy but i think you could see a conglomerate and when you're playing two tight end sets that's hard to defend with both of those guys because illinois gave like so many signs away like when barker was on the field they were going to pass when barker was off the field and justice williams was on or whoever they've had in the past, Austin Roberts was on, you knew they were going to run. And now with both of those two tight ends out there that can both run or run block and now they can catch, that changes things. That could help the run game. It could help the pass game. I just think that you could see a lot of mouths to feed. And I don't think that's the worst problem in the world because we know Bebe is going to get a ton of attention. And that's where some of these other guys can step up. I think Ricky could really have a lot of one-on-one -on -one advantageous matchups. And he, I mean, like you said, like early in the season, Peters went to Ricky a lot, and he went deep down the field. There were multiple deep shots down the field for Ricky. And if he's getting those, he could lead the team in receptions or yards, receiving yards. Sack leader. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> you know who my two top two options are? Can you guess? Jay Canson and Milo Eichler. One of the linebackers. Okay. Isaiah Gay would be one for me. Okay. I, I love the way he closed the season. He was kind of starting to be – what we thought he could be. He was the most disruptive guy towards the end of the year, which is he only had one half sacks, but he was like four or five tackles for loss. And he, he had some rushes. 
Um, I think I four would probably be my second guy. Hanson's a good blitzer, um, and they do like to blitz the middle linebacker, but I think it would be one of those linebackers. Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of that, – that, that, that makes sense. I'm, I'm not sold on Owen Carney as a sack guy. He's just right. a stout against the run. Well, maybe he'll get some Batiku sacks or just like – out muscles them and just efforts you so I you're right gay would be the one but I, I think the way that they blitz their linebackers is huge they don't do it all the time but they started to get more aggressive with it once lovey smith took over as play caller and I think you can do that more when you trust your secondary and you trust that your linebackers are going to get there and let's be honest when Illinois linebackers got to the quarterback they weren't there just to sack them they were there to strip the football and that's a huge part of Lovey Smith's thing and I'm I'm all for that and when you have a veteran secondary that you think can hold up in pass coverage one on one then let let him be cuz Hansen is really good at it and Eifler we saw what he could do yeah uh, and they're going to need to I think right i mean that's the other the other part of it uh go ahead yeah i was going to say i i I've, we've kind of talked about this in group text, but I would really like to see if they could get Eifler, Hanson, and Derek Smith on the field all at the same time at linebacker, and then also have Trayshawn Smith in the back at safety. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd like if Smith could maybe play that, you know, kind of what we saw from Delano Ware a couple years ago, that linebacker spot. I'm not sold on Tolson. I'm just – I saw a few too many bad angles. I think that he's – I don't think that we should just pencil him in for the starting job without at least – taking a little bit of a look at what Derek Smith could bring at linebacker because he, he is a big hitter and he could, he's an athlete. Leading interceptor. Um, sneaky pick would be a linebacker. Sneaky pick would be a linebacker because what? Um, Harding had three that tied the lead last year with Brown, who you mm-hmm. picked right there. And uh, was it Delshawn Phillips at four? Yeah, that's Pretty- right. No, I think – no, that you're probably right. I'm going Sidney Brown a little bit because he's – He's rangy. He's really rangy at times. I think he's he got a little bit lucky with a couple of his interceptions. It wasn't like a Quan Martin lucky where he had like three interceptions because he just happened to be standing at the right spot when the ball ricocheted to him. But he's always at the right place at the right time, it feels like, in pass coverage for the most part. He struggled a little bit to start his sophomore year. I think that'll get better as a junior. He'd probably be my choice. I mean, I love Hobbs, but he's just not going to get as many targets. Adams is sneaky, too, because he just kind of gets some. Can I secondary? <laughs> can I share an embarrassing story with you? Yes, let's go. I, I uh, dreamt the other night that I was covering an Illinois football game. I, I miss sports. Can you tell? Yeah, I dreamt that Nate Hobbs had his second interception of the year, and he had a return for a touchdown. And then the Nate Hobbs all caps tweet. Just did you dream about that too? <laughs> I think I did dream a tweet. I don't know exactly what it was, but I did dream a tweet because that's what we dream of now. Um, so that's yeah, so glorious. <laughs> uh no but i was like man he's had like i was thinking of the story he is what i thought he was right because <laughs> i've been I talking do this when he had mono as a freshman like we we all knew right away so, yeah i think it's gonna be someone in the middle i, I would either go with probably hansen uh because the middle linebackers man have had seven interceptions the last two years i'm gonna go jake i'm gonna go you know everyone's expecting forced fumbles and i think i'll have a couple he's not gonna have seven whatever he had um i'm gonna go jake hansen just because he's a, he's a big-time playmaker. And the, and the defense player. just funnels everything right there, right? Yeah, he has more opportunities. Right. That's the thing. He has more opportunities. And I, 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 I think that is probably a right pick. I, it'd be Hanson or Brown for me, yeah. I think. I, and, and honestly, like, there's something about this Trayshawn Smith kid that he's pretty darn good. Like, he, he has a little bit like a bigger Bennett Williams feel. He's, he is big. He is physical. And he can move. He's a risk taker. 
That's what yeah. I, I've noticed. Like he, he might miss sometimes, uh, but he's he's going to try and make that big play, which makes him a good fit for what they want to do. He's got a little Stanley Green in him too, where he's going <laughs> to lead with the crown and he's going to knock the crap out of you, and it's either going to be a forced fumble or he's going to just get ejected. No, and it's fine because may, they have enough safeties behind him. But he he's he'd be my sneaky number three. All right. Um, trying to think of oh over under Illinois football 2021 commits before the first kickoff of the season okay right now they get six prep commits <sighs> ten and a half oh god that's a good number um I'm gonna go slightly under slightly under they're late closers they just are there's gonna be attrition I don't think there's anybody they're really, really close on yet. Although a ton of people, although I will say this, they have had a lot of early commits. You've seen the numbers are way up. So I probably should go over based off the data. Just knowing how Illinois does things, I'm going to take the under. I'll go over. I'll go, I'll go slightly over because I think they're taking a deep breath. It feels like that, right? And then it's like, okay, who do we prioritize now? Do we want to push now? Do we want to wait? Because this cycle is going to be crazy, man. Like, I, I agree with people who think there's going to be a lot of decommitments. You know, once these kids can actually go on visits, which I hope is during the fall, uh, I think, you know, that's when you can really start pushing for these guys. And there's probably a lot of guys they just want to get some measurements on of being like, hey, is this guy really 6'4", 270, or is he 6'2"? 250 right <laughs> you want to make sure watch, was the stopwatch started a little bit late on this kid's 445 or is he really a 462 like yeah I totally get that but I, I think there's enough kids that want to decide before the season and I think there's enough kids they're sitting well with whether it's linebackers DBs or offensive linemen uh, that I think they'll get I'm, I'm just concerned about the the wide receiver market because I just haven't seen liked what I've seen uh, so far of where they're at with some of those but we'll see and how can you like how can you bank on getting a baby every class? You know what I mean? That can just come in and automatically be your leading wide receiver. Like, are we convinced that Brian Hightower is going to be their number one wide receiver? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's, he probably has to be. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he has to. Be. I mean, Edwin Carter. No, I mean, I, I, I can't trust him to stay healthy. Like, I just, I just don't know if you can always go to the transfer portal and always make sure, find a guy like baby who's going to be an all big 10 player. Uh, Isaac, um, Obviously, Lovey Smith, and we can question some things with, hey, where's this program going? With, hey, should they push for this recruit? Or why aren't they getting the top 247 guys? But couldn't ask for a better representative. Um, you know, you and I are both Illinois graduates now. Um, as an Illinois graduate, I can say I was proud of, of what he had to say the other day. Uh, and it's, it's good to have him, you know, making that statement. I know it took him time but I thought it was better than just some release uh, that he went out with Mike Tirico and talked about it and had things to say because while some people don't care what celebrities or coaches think about social issues, what he thinks matters because he's one of the most renowned African-American head coaches in, college, in, in football history. And, um, you know, he's, he's seen a lot of this and he talked about that, whether it's, you know, growing up in Texas in the deep South in the, the 50s, 60s and 70s, or having an interracial marriage. I can't imagine the things he's, he's heard or, or seen and he and his wife and his kids have seen throughout the years. And, you know, the Chicago market can't be always kind to you and, and people aren't always kind to you. Um, so I thought what he said matters and it resonated, uh, what he said, but most importantly, and you've done the research on this is, his hiring, right? His hiring has is, is shown that uh, he's acted too. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I love the words that he said. I love the way he said it. I thought that it was the right time for it. 
thought it was nice that Whitman went first and then Lovey kind of was the closer. It felt like Whitman really started you off strong. Then Lovey came in with the hammer and boom, done. Mariano Rivera style. But like, again, he said it where he said, it's all about your actions and we can't fault him for anything about the actions. He's hired an African-American woman. Now he's hired an Afri two African-American coaches um, right now to coach his defensive line. Illinois is number one in the country with the amount of black coaches that they have on their, on their payroll. That's just, that's just fact of the matter. It is. And when you see what's happening at Iowa and when you see what's happening around the big 10 and around the country, that matters. That matters. Does it help you win football games? I don't know. Does it help you win with recruiting? I, I don't know. They haven't really been great at recruiting. But I tell you from just an overall perspective, just looking at it from the big picture, it matters. And it absolutely is something that we should commend him on because he isn't like, like I've, I've just struggled with it so much throughout this whole cycle because I feel like so every time I see stuff on social media, like the black square comes out and everybody has to do it. You know, we see one statement and everybody has to do it. Well, are you going to care about these things in three months when this isn't cool anymore to talk about? I know that Lovey Smith has cared about it for much longer than before it was popular and will continue to care about these issues far beyond when it's over. Yeah, and that, you know, we knew this in 2016 when he was asked about the election and all that. Hey, are, I tell my kids that, hey, go vote, but know about these issues, right? Don't, don't talk about it if you don't know and, and read up on these things and be an active participant in society, which is what you want. I mean, these are young men. And, you know, I don't agree with Kirk Ferentz putting these kids on Twitter bans. I'm like, well, you don't trust them to do that. How do you trust them to do anything else, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you can have some bad things happen to that, but that's how they learn. Uh, if you don't trust them to do that, then you're not trusting them to be a productive member of, of society, which I thought your program was supposed to be doing. It's about education. Yeah. Uh, and I think Lovey Smith is very good at that. And I think he's, like, as much as he doesn't communicate well with us, I think he communicates well with his team and with his expectations and what you need to live up to, right? Like, they know the, they know the standard, and if they mess up, like Bennett Williams, like Lou Dorsey, like Carmani Green, like all those guys, if they mess up, they're gone, right? Now, he'll give you a chance, like he did with Nate Hobbs, and if you prove yourself, then you're back. Like, literally, think about it. Nate Hobbs went from being suspended for multiple games, missing the first part of the season, to being the defensive representative at Big Ten Media Days. Like, that is not talked enough about with how much Lovey Smith can trust you if you prove it to him. And there's a standard that you're supposed to live up to. And for the most part, his guys have. And if they haven't, he's dealt with them right away. And I think that that kind of that kind of culture that they've created is unlike some other places in college football. Uh, Isaac, you did a huge piece, and you're such a nerd for doing it, but uh, not surprised, um, about the Big Ten and breaking it all down. And I wrote my piece a couple of weeks ago. It kind of been festering, and I kind of wanted to get to it, but there were so many other things. I feel like I'm the high man uh, on, on Illinois when it comes to like media members. And that's like, Hey, maybe I think they can win seven games. I think they can win more than that. If things go well for them, they stay healthy because I look at the rest of these big 10 West ro rosters. And while I know Illinois has more to prove, I don't fear Purdue and Nebraska and Northwestern as much as other people do. And I don't give them as much benefit of the doubt as other people do. Uh, and I just kind of, I'm higher on Illinois than uh, I expected to be, I guess, compared to other people. As you did that research, what did would you come out with? Were you higher on other teams than you were yeah. you thought you would be? Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. You know what I mean? Like I think 
it wasn't that long ago where we were both like, oh, Illinois is going to be like four and eight, maybe five and seven, like on a good day. And everyone else is like, oh, six and six. This is a pole team. Okay. And, then they're like, they're like, the Illini Inquirer guys are just like, they're just so like Debbie Downers. They don't like, they don't like, and then what did they end up? Four and eight. So it's just like, I, I do agree with you. Old teams win. And when I'm doing all of these, like kind of like going through all this stuff and seeing all of these guys that are coming in, Illinois' talent level is going to rise. I think when you see the team talent rankings, when you throw in these transfers, that's going to rise even more. They're better than Purdue. Mm-hmm. They're better than Northwestern. I think you could say that they're, they're not that far away from Iowa. I think if you're going to get Iowa, and this is probably the year to do it. Because they just have – I mean, they have, a lot of, they have a lot to replace. They have a, a new quarterback. They have turmoil in their entire system. No A.J. Epinesa. No Tristan Wirfs. Like if and Geno Stone was a really good safety who got drafted for them. Another corner that they had got drafted to. I think if you're going to get them, now's the time. I wouldn't predict they to win that game. No, they, they lost mean, nineteen to ten last year and lost the turnover battle. Like they won the the battle in the trenches. So yeah, I think those games like we saw last year, when I beat Wisconsin, and I, yeah. I don't think it was an absolute fluke. <laughs> like it was, they they were a better team. Yeah, no, like after like kind of doing all this, I think the. Indiana game might be tougher than the Iowa game. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think Indiana is like legitimately like really good. Like they have a really good chance. If their quarterback stays healthy, they're really, really good. So that, that's kind of like, that was one of my bigger takeaways. I found myself higher on Indiana, higher on Illinois, kind of meh on Iowa. Although honestly, the rest of the country is too. Their over-under is only seven. So they we're kind of in the same boat as them. And then I'm lower on Michigan. Lower on Michigan State. It feels like all these teams with new quarterbacks, I'm lower on just because I just don't trust them with all this stuff going on. How about your Golden Gophers up there? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think any, everybody knows how much I dislike Tanner Morgan. I still think he's a little bit of a fluke. Just you a little and Jay bit. What? You and Jay Lehman. Yeah, I think I'm on that. I'll ride that with Jay just because I think that Anytime you have Rashad Bateman, who's a Big Ten wide receiver of the year, and Tyler Johnson, who's going to go catch passes for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, like, I think you're going to be okay, especially with, like, a running game like that. I think anybody would be. Like, talent-wise, I, every time I think about it is this. When we saw Brandon Peters stand next to Isaiah Williams and throw the football in training camp, it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's like, legit. When you have Tanner Morgan and Brandon Peters right next to each other, the arm talent is clearly Brandon. The stature is clearly Brandon. Like, I don't think the talent gap between Brandon and Tanner Morgan is that different. You know, and then I like, I'm pulling all these guys and Tanner Morgan's always number two. It's like, eh, eh, I'm down, but they're going to be good this year. So Isaac Trotter, I can pencil you in at eight and four, eight and four. Uh, (laughs) Okay. They're closer to eight. They're closer to eight and four than they are six and six, but I'll probably go seven and five. Yeah. You and I are in the same wavelength there. Which I, I think would be a good year. I, I don't think it'd be a great year. Totally. I think it'd be like, okay, this team is legit. Let's see if they can continue it. But I think seven and five, getting to a better bowl game would be solid. Um, I think eight and four would be obviously. Yeah. People are really on board with this. People all talk about like the luck factor, how Illinois was just so lucky last year. And like, yeah, I guess you could say that. But they also were super unlucky with all the injuries that they had. They were super unlucky in the Nebraska game. Eastern Michigan, they was kind of an unlucky game with some of the bounces that went against them late in that game. So, like, you can say they're lucky, and I don't know how much I factor luck into all of this, but, like, they had a lot of bad breaks, too. We don't talk enough about the injuries that they had last year. They had a ton of injuries. And so, we I mean, I guess we could pencil in, okay, all these guys are going to come back. They're going to be better. You know, Chase Brown's going to be good. and Luke Ford's going to be great. But that's not necessarily true. 
But this roster is really darn – I mean, this roster is right on par with 2011. Like, it is, right? Like, that's not crazy to say that. Like, you can make a case that this roster is better than anyone they had in the 2010s. Will I be able to go to training camp this year? No. Kick me out. They'll kick me out. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we'll have that kind of access, and understandably so, given everything. Can you imagine how depressed I would be if I didn't get to have training camp? You know what I mean? Like, that would be depressing. If I was there and didn't get to have training camp. Yeah. Are you going to try and get some row the boat action? While you're no, up? I'm fine. I'm going to go to Vikings training camp. You can go to media day for like uh, on campus for yeah, I will. Minnesota. But I'm I'm going to I'm going to the Vikings training camp. That's where I'll be really happy. You can't let your biases get in the way of reporting here, Isaac. I I don't have biases. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I do not care about any of these teams, which makes it very good for bias. <laughs> That's true. Well, Isaac, good catching up with you. Good uh, seeing you. We're zooming this thing, but uh, it it just felt like one step closer to football being back, and just just talking about it gives me. Hope, and uh, I think a lot of people bring some smile to their faces that, man, at least we could possibly have football. Now we got to get baseball back, man. The owners are just running out the clock, right? That's, what, that's all they're trying to do. I, I, I made the reference say that the owners are like Michael Scott with Dwight Schrute, like driving into the water where they just don't pay attention to anything. Like they, they're driving baseball into the ground. Like literally the opportunity for a July 4th, like baseball's back, all the eyes, it no. was right there. It's not that hard. And I'm always on the side of the players, always on the side of the players with everything in this. Like you can say stuff about the Players Association. At the end of the day, the players want to play and the owners are holding it back because they just don't want to take a $11 million loss this year. And that's, that's frustrating to me. Really for teams that are worth billions, it's <laughs> I just I, I the players understand they're taking a loss. They've already taken a loss, right? Exactly. Um, the owners are gonna are taking a loss now. I understand that too, and I understand you gotta make money. But boy, for the long term of this, yes, how great would it have been if you had July Fourth baseball? And that now that's not even gonna be an option, right? It's just I mean, sad. Are we gonna all right over under July twenty sixth baseball? We're gonna have baseball. I mean, because baseball can say there's gonna be baseball, and the players have to play, right? Um, so there's going to be baseball. Uh, I just – July 26th? If the owners want it by then, they'll get it. Um, but I think they want less baseball, which doesn't make sense to me. And I, I understand the finance. They're going to lose if they play more games. But also, I brought this up with Austin today, and of course going longer than I thought, Isaac. Um, why, why is baseball – like we don't talk about like could there be fans in September and October? Like we don't talk about that, though – we assume college football will, and we assume the NFL will. Um, like we don't even talk about the possibility of having fans and increased revenue that way. Exactly, especially with open air stadiums. Like yeah. you're, like they've been they've been going out and saying stuff like this. Especially again, like what we talked about earlier. If this is symptomatic thing is is legit, and you don't pass it, that that's huge for outdoor baseball. So I think I think the owners don't want that to be talked enough about because then you can kind of see through their. Their class. I don't know. It just feels like I, I just look at it for years. You have made money over and over and over and over again and said nothing about it. It's not been a big deal at all. But the moment you have a, a year where you might break even or might lose a little bit of money, it's like, oh, let's clutch our pearls. Like this is the end of the world. And it just feels like the wrong thing for the long term as a business, right? Because while you and I, we're going back to baseball. Like when baseball comes back, if they don't play this year, you and I are going to watch it. But when you're trying to draw more fans and they're like, wait, that's the team that just didn't want to come back and play. And oh, who, who's that guy? You know, Oy, who, who is that? I didn't get to see him. You have a showcase where people who might not watch baseball that often might tune in early. 
because they just want sports and you're missing that opportunity, which is just so baseball. It's, it's so baseball. And as the NBA continues to distance itself away from major league baseball, major league baseball continues to take four steps, but like runway, we don't even want to be competent with the NBA. We don't want to be on the same wavelength. We just want to be maybe like 25 years behind. Wait till uh, the world series is on like uh, NBC sports network. Oh, Jesus. Right. Like, I mean, kind of like, I guess the Stanley cup is on NBC, but NBC probably doesn't like it. <laughs> no, it'll be CBS sports network. And then they'll get kicked right. off for mountain West football. And we'll see some like Utah state playing instead of the world series. Or they have to watch, they have to put it on their own network, like MLB network, because no other like Fox doesn't even want them anymore. We'll stream it on Facebook. That's what, <laughs> that's what it'll end up being. It'll be, and I'll watch because I, because guys like you and me are baseball lifers. We're going to watch. Okay. All right. This is so, this is so off brand, but like, I'm, I've been talking about this with Jake Hassan, your, your intern. And he was saying, we were talking about which player would you add to your team right now? That's not a top 50 guy in baseball. And is also not a top two player on his own team. Like which guy would that be? That's a random, that's a random question for me to think, come up with an answer right away. All right. Here's mine for the Cardinals. Shane Bieber would be awesome. Starling Marte would fix all of the Cardinals outfield problems. Andrew Benintendi would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, for me, I'm just going rotations, right? So like Patrick Corbin or it would it be Strasburg. It'd probably be Corbin though. Most people. Corbin. Would what about like uh, Mike Soroka? Yeah. I, I like him more than you do. I think he's, he's on my fantasy team. I had to keep him. Um, but I think he's like a three starter. No, he's closer to a two than he is a three. Yeah, give, give me a guy like Corbin because yeah. my White Sox man, we need we need pitching. Is that a cat I just saw? That was a cat. He just <laughs> made an appearance. He hopped on to say hello. What's his name? Jasper. Did you he name him? It? No, I didn't name him. Also, guess what? I'm getting a dog, and I'm in the in the process of buying a house. I'm Look like, at you. I'm like 37. You're not you're not going for the kid yet, are you? No, thank God. <laughs> yeah, you're an old man, man. You're you're on the you're on the Warner path. So look at this. This is you in ten years. Twenty three, going on thirty seven. And here comes the cat too. <laughs> All right, I gotta let you go, bud. Good uh, good talking with you, and thanks for coming on as always. Yeah, no problem. Fifteen minutes turning into fifty. Very on brand. For our faves here, I just try to doing good things up in Minnesota. And I uh, love talking with him. Final line of football and always goes a little bit longer than we expect to. But hope you enjoyed that. And again, we hope to bring you a little bit more podcasting here coming up with a little bit more going on and uh, some insightful interviews as well. If you don't already, subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcast. We will talk to you next time on the Line Quark podcast. And I promise you it won't be as long of a wait. Everybody have a great day. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.